Welcome to the After the Amen podcast with Miles Hester and Benjamin Lee. Miles and Benjamin preach at the West Main Church of Christ in Louisville, Texas. This podcast is a more in-depth conversation about the sermon that was preached the previous Sunday, and we are so happy that you are tuning in to study more from God's Word. So grab your Bible, get a notepad and a pencil or pen, and let's study more from the Word of God. Hello and welcome to a new episode of After the Amen. I hope and pray all is well with you. Miles, great to see you. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Excited to get into the episode. Yeah, let's dive into it. So Miles had an opportunity to preach this past Sunday uh, about what is worship. And we want to encourage you to go to our website, westmaincoc.com, where you can hear the full sermon and also on our YouTube channel. Um, for now, though, you'll get a brief summary of the sermon. Miles, what was your sermon, What is Worship, all about? Okay, so uh, the main point of what is worship was really answering that question, what is worship? And I had two main points. One was that worship is for God, and number two was that worship is defined by God. And so what I mean by that, in, for the first part, worship is for God. Uh, I wanted to make it clear worship is not for Mary, the apostles, the universe, or for us. Those were just some of the examples I used. But you and I have talked about before uh, a study that I had been having for a while um, with a gentleman from the community. And he was um, Greek Orthodox. And so he talked a lot about um, praying to Mary, praying to the apostles, um, and just kind of talked about some of those things. I know um, there's a lot of people out in the world today who have kind of this vague idea of different things can be worship. Um, church can mean all types of different things, but, um, and then I also mentioned that worship is not for us because worship is not for, for our benefit. It certainly does benefit us. And that was kind of a major point of the sermon as well. Uh, but worship, all of our worship should be focused on God. The definition I gave kind of at the beginning and the end of the sermon was Worship is showing reverence to God in the way that he wants. So it's all about showing reverence to God, his character, who he is, reacting to what, who, who he is and what he's done for us. But then the second part of that worship being defined by God is, just means that if it's for him, if we're revering him, if we're honoring his character, then obviously that should, then he should be the one to define it, right? And that's part of the Bible is he defines how he wants to be shown worship. I use the example of, you know, there's a lot of people in the religious world today who might think, you know, I would really enjoy if we could use a choir or we could use instruments or all of these different things. Or I think it would be really fun if worship looked more like a rock concert or a comedy sketch than you know, what maybe a more tr traditional, more biblical uh, church service or worship service looks like. And, but again, kind of going back to those, these ideas are just so interconnected. If it's for God, it's going to be defined by God. And if it's defined by God, then, then he should be the focus of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This topic is such an important topic. I know you had shared with me, uh, one of the sisters after services had mentioned how her and another sister 
you know, talked about this subject. And it's good for us to be reminded about this, this idea of worship and who it is for, um, this respect, reverence, renderings to God. It is something that we are doing and we are going or doing this on behalf of God. And you mentioned some very important things in your sermon as well. Um, it is for God. We also receive benefit, you know, as we worship too, but primarily it's all about God. And I think it's also important to note that Jesus received worship and that was correct uh, because he is God, 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 the son, God in the flesh. I, I want to just go back here because I know you and I had talked a little bit about this off air when talking about who worship is not for. And I'm glad you brought that up because uh, there's a lot of people, Miles, and for those who are listening, who assume it's okay to pray to Mary or, you know, people have different beliefs and things like that. Luke chapter one, you know, when Mary gets this news that she's going to be um, pregnant and that Elizabeth is pregnant, um, we see this, we see this prayer from Mary in verse number 46. Who is she addressing? Uh, Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior. So Mary was praying to the father. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six, Jesus, when he said, you know, he's teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, so do not be like them in verse eight, uh, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way our Father who is in heaven. So prayer is an act of worship, right? And I believe you talked about that as well, like from Acts 2 and 42. We don't pray to a man, and we don't pray to a priest, or to a cardinal, or a bishop, or pope, or to a man or a woman. We pray to God. We had also talked about, Miles, Romans chapter 1. I do think this is critical as well, because there's a lot of emphasis today on the universe and, uh, you know, just, you know, the universe has given us all these things, uh, reach out to the universe for all these things. Well, let's take a step back here. Romans chapter one, and you may have to help me to find this verse here. Oh, verse number 25, for they exchanged the, the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Well, don't we see that happening today, Miles? People are worshiping the created, the stars, the moon, the sun, all of the things with the horoscopes and things like that. We only worship God. God is worthy of worship. There's examples like in, in Acts chapter 10, where Paul, or I'm sorry, uh, Peter went to the house of Cornelius. Remember what Cornelius and his family did in verse 25. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshiped him. And it's interesting because in my margin of the Bible, it says prostrated himself in reverence. Mm -hmm. That was that definition you were working with, right? This idea of reverence to God. Mm -hmm. But Peter raised him up saying, stand up. I too am just a man. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of men today want worship from people. They mm -hmm. want that respect and reverence and renderings. But no, worship is for God alone. I'm not saying we can't respect people. Um, and honor men, but not in the sense of worshiping men um, as we do God. And so there's other examples, angels, like in the book of Revelation, uh, you know, one of the angels told John to stand up, you know, he was just an angel, you only worship God. So I think that's something very important because in many churches today, 
there is a lot of emphasis on on who we worship. And so a misunderstanding of worship, um, and maybe you can dive into this, uh, what kinds of worship mouths does the Bible talk about? You mentioned two of them, I guess, in your sermon. When you think about different kinds of worship, if that makes sense, if you know where I'm going, uh, what different kinds of worship are mentioned? Well, there, I mean, as far as like acts of worship, that there were a couple of things we talked about there with, I mean, if you go to um, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, um, we see the believers devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So those are several of the acts of worship that we've talked about. Um, you know, you also see singing there are def- there are several passages we could t- turn to that talk about that and the op- the collection um but all of this stemming from god telling us how he wants to be treated right um we you know it, it all goes back to him like you're saying and, and so if we we go back to the beginning and especially with the example of breaking of bread here in Acts 2.42. We also talked about 1 Corinthians 11, where we talk about the Lord's Supper. And um, in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper and reminds us that Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me, right? He Even before he has died, uh, even before really the apostles know or understand that he's going to die, he's saying, you know, this is going to be a memorial for you all, which again, it benefits them, but this do in remembrance of me. It's my memorial. It's memorializing something that I'm about to do. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, one of the things you had mentioned that is always good for us is God is the one who defines worship. So that example, like in Acts 2.42, is a good starting or launching place, looking at the first century church and the acts of worship that they were engaged in. Um, The Lord's Supper, instituted by Jesus, number one, tells us the frequency as often as you do this. That's further defined in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. The purpose behind it, the attitude with it, um, you know, there were some who were uh, abusing this, like in First Corinthians chapter 11. And so all of that becomes important as well with understanding that God sets the tone. You know, our world today says it doesn't matter how you worship God. As long as you're worshiping God, that's okay. Well, the reality is Jesus, and you talked about this in John 4, said God is looking for true worshipers, mm-hmm. those that will worship in spirit and truth. You made a distinction between what's true and what's false. The Bible also makes a distinction between vain worship, will worship, like in Colossians chapter 2 as well. So how we worship God, it matters. There was a subtle uh, shift or change when you go back to the Old Testament. And while this was under the the first uh, covenant or the the law of Moses, um, after uh, Solomon, if you go remember in 1 Kings chapter 12, uh, in First Kings chapter 12, in verse number 25, uh, Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. Uh, verse 26, Jeroboam said in his heart, uh, the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will return to their Lord, even to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Je- Rehoboam, king of Judah. So what Jeroboam did, he he makes these 
consultations. He, he consults with individuals. And, and then he begins to change worship, how God mm -hmm. had defined it. Uh, two golden calves. Uh, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Um, you know, we'll set a golden calf in Bethel. and We'll set another one uh, in Dan. Subtle change. What's mm -hmm. the big deal? New location, more convenient. Mm -hmm. But the next text says, now this thing became a sin where the people went to worship before the one as far as damn. So he changed the worship that God had defined. He would change um, those who would serve as priests. He would change the timing of it. And that was sin in the eyes of God. And so when you preach this, Miles, this is such an important lesson. It's an important lesson for everyone listening as well, that the Lord's Supper and how we take it, the elements, Jesus, as you just mentioned, he also gives us the pattern for the elements, unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine, not Kool-Aid, uh, <laughs> not, you know, you know, some kind of other bread. But see, all of this is established and defined by God. So in our world, well, Christmas, you can take the Lord's Supper if it's on a Monday or a wedding or something like that, or, you know, whenever you really want to. Well, now we're doing worship that is no longer defined by God. And so, you know, we want to be clear, that's not acceptable to God. It may feel okay, but that's not acceptable to God. So that's a very important element of this sermon. What is worship? There's another element that you touched on as well that I think is important for the audience, Miles. We sometimes struggle with worship. You talked about how sometimes worship for some can be almost boring. It can be a struggle. Miles, what have you learned just in your own walk that has helped you to improve your worship? And give us one or two insights that can help us to improve our worship. And what I mean by that, not a show or anything like that or putting the spotlight on us, but rather intentionality, focus. Um, what have you learned in your in your short life? You're a young man. Uh, but uh, what have you learned that you can share with us that can help others as well? Yeah, so a, a couple stories that kind of made their way in, that made their way into the sermon that I that just kind of came to my mind as I was putting this lesson together. The first one is I was at a camp when I was in high school, a summer camp, a, um, I guess, Bible-based camp, and we were having a Bible study. And the point of that Bible study was the uh, this idea of boring worship, kind of like you were talking about, you know, and especially when you're talking to high schoolers, when you're in high school, uh, it, worship a worship service can be um, can seem boring at times. It might not be as entertaining as some other things you could do, but that's kind of going back to the sermon, you know, that one of the major points is, you know, worship isn't meant to be entertainment for us. But anyway, talking about this idea of boring worship, the point that was made was to even call worship boring is an oxymoron because if you're bored, you're not worshiping. And if you're truly worshiping, worshiping in spirit and truth, like you'd mentioned in John 4, then that's not that true worship in spirit and truth is not boring. So then I took that as a 17, 18 year old, wrote a sermon called Boring Worship. And uh, there was an individual who fell asleep in the front row as I was, you know, 17, mm -hmm. 18 years old, preaching this sermon about 
how if you're bored, you're not worshiping. And I, and I would imagine that extends to if you're asleep, you're not worshiping. Right. Um, but again, I, I and I even said, admittedly, as a high school student and even out of high school, sometimes we can wor- uh, struggle with um, maybe worship is the, isn't the most exciting. Maybe we're not singing our favorite songs. Maybe the sermon topic isn't the most engaging thing we've ever heard. I don't know. Um, but again, I think that idea of worship not being for us, I use the example of like a birthday party. And if, you know, if you were having a birthday party and it had a certain theme and it had the the type of cake you like and whatever it was, and I come in there or somebody else comes in there and starts tearing everything down and starts, you know, complaining about, well, you know, I don't like these decorations. I don't like these colors. I don't like whatever. Well, it's not for me. It's not about me. It's not celebrating me. Um, and so that just doesn't make any sense. And yet sometimes we can kind of come into worship well with this attitude of, well, if I'm not having fun, if I'm not entertained, if I'm not having a good time, if I'm not, you know, it, it's just very self-centered to approach worship that way. And, and that certainly means we can't justify or, or act like there are a, there is authority for certain things that we would want to do in worship that aren't worship. Uh, so it's just, I, I think that I guess the main point is a lot of those different things that we kind of try and do where we're kind of trying to redefine worship to fit what we want. Um, that's just not how it works. That's just not how biblically defined worship is because again, um, it's not for us. We're not, it's it's not proclaiming how worthy we are. It's proclaiming how worthy and of of power and honor and glory God is. So give us some give us some steps. Uh, what can we do to improve our worship in the sense of um, striving for excellence, putting in our best effort? So while you're thinking of that, you know, just think about the the first covenant. Um, you know, they knew that there was going to be the Sabbath every, you know, seventh day. Uh, there was preparation that was going to be made. Um, what what can you share with us uh, that can help us? And, and while you're thinking about that, let me just say one more thing. You're really emphasizing I and selfishness, which I think is important for us to consider because Hebrews 10 and verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So one of the things for us to consider that I'll share miles, then I'll give you the the mic or the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, even when we find ourselves struggling with worship, we're going to worship because we want to give honor to God. And our presence there is going to help encourage our brethren. Our presence there is going to help encourage our brethren. That's not going to happen if we're just live streaming. And I know there are certain occasions where we can do that for sick or whatever, mm-hmm. but sometimes that can be used as an excuse. I'm just going to stay home. I'm just going to kind of be in my feelings. Well, you're missing an opportunity to stimulate your brother and sister in Christ and good deeds and in love. And you're creating a habit that is actually a bad spiritual habit, right? So that's one thing to think about. Look at the big picture. Yes, with God. Yes, with others, and yes, for ourselves. What other thoughts do you have before we wrap up? 
Yeah, just two quick verses I wanted to share. One is in um, Psalm 96 and, and verse 8, especially. Um, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come to his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. And so I, I think to answer your question, some steps we can take. I think for me personally, when I was trying to kind of demonstrate, okay, how can we kind of have this higher view of worship? How can we have this more reverent, respectful view of worship? We live in a very informal society. We live in a very um, casual society. We don't talk about reverence and honor very much. Um, And so I think reading that verse thinking about ascribing to God the glory to the Lord the glory due his name if we every time we walk into the building think about where's my head at um where's my heart at um what what's my attitude how am i feeling about this worship service when i when i sing am i singing out just thinking about everything we do here Am I ascribing to the Lord the glory due his name? Because another point I made in the sermon was, you know, if you, if this idea of worship, right? Worship comes from worship. We're, we're talking about how valuable God, to, uh, God is to us. And I think a lot of times we logically know, like in our heads, we know that God should be infinitely valuable to us, but maybe sometimes that doesn't come across in the way we're actually worshiping. So kind of thinking about what, how the psalmist talks in Psalm 96 but then the last thing I'll share as we wrap up is from Revelation 4. I think for me personally, you know, you and I have talked a lot before about sometimes our we're preaching to ourselves, right? Or our sermons kind of convict ourselves, right? And in Revelation chapter 4, thinking of the throne of heaven, um, you see all these incredible creatures, all these jewels and all these different things, this incredible scene of the throne room in heaven. And in verse 8, um, these creatures never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, Lord, our our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So again, as we think about these things, I think a lot of having a better mindset when it comes to worship is just a mindset shift of, you know, seeing God for who he is. We are in the presence of the creator. We are doing the same thing that angels are doing right now. Obviously not in the same way. We're not in the same place, but we are worshiping God. We're in his presence. We're talking to him. We're singing to him. It's all about him. Um, And just that's why we need these reminders um, and, and just kind of keeping those things in front of us at all times. I think that's the main thing, main piece of advice I would give. Amen. Amen. God is worthy of worship. So whether it's collectively, individually, let us give God our very best. Thank you, Miles, so much for those thoughts, for your sermon. Thank you for those who are listening, wherever you may be around the world, listening to this podcast. Take care and God bless.
Thank you so much for listening to the After the Amen podcast. We hope and pray that all is well with you. Maybe you are interested in a Bible study, learning more about the truth. We would love to study God's Word with you. Or maybe you're looking to worship with us at the West Main Church of Christ. You can find all details and you can reach out to us by going to our website, westmaincoc.com. That's westmaincoc.com. Take care. God bless.